Well, howdy, Pastor Landon here, and it's time for Real Men. So uh, I hope you have your nachos. I hope you got some non-alcoholic beverages. I mean, whatever your conscience allows is fine with me. Uh, but there are people all over the globe joining us today for Real Men. It's gonna be awesome. We're growing like crazy. Um, there's people all the way in other countries watching alongside you guys tonight, as well as churches that are gathering in their buildings watching Real Men with you guys. It's awesome to have so many men across this country, across this world, joining together to grow in their faith and to be encouraged with other brothers in Christ. That's what we're called to do. That's what men in this day and age need to do um, to be good fathers, husbands, and uh, leaders in their community. So thank you for joining Real Men today with us. Um, This series is gonna be absolutely epic. We are all about healthy masculinity and equipping men. Pastor Mark is passionate about reaching men with the gospel because when the gospel gets involved, everything gets better. We're pro-Jesus, pro-building men up, pro-helping men become better husbands, fathers that bless women and children. If you want to get connected and have all the updates about real men, the best way to do that is text MEN to 99383. MEN to 99383. That's not woman. That's not child. That's not baby. That's not trans. It's MEN to 99383. We'll send you tons of free resources and all kinds of stuff that'll build you up to be a better man. And if you're like my wife and you're a woman watching alongside us, you should comment below because there's actually a surprising amount of women that watch this because they want better husbands and fathers in their life and single women trying to learn what a good man is. So uh, if you want to join us in person uh, and you're a senior pastor, we would love for you to fly out, come to Real Men. Um, We'll host a dinner with Pastor Mark. You can ask all of your questions, learn how Real Men is, learn the secret sauce, and you can replicate it back in whatever state you're from. We've had people from North Carolina, South Carolina, from Texas, from Washington, from California, from Oklahoma. We have guys join us all the time. We gather together at Trinity Church in Scottsdale, Arizona, around tables where we hear an awesome teaching from Pastor Mark, what you're about to hear, and then we build each other up in small groups, um, asking some questions that are sermon-based, and uh, grow together. So it's awesome, guys. And right now, it's sermon time. So get those nachos ready and get ready to dive into some real protein. Welcome to Real Men. Hey, if you're one of the new guys, you made a good choice. You're with the best guys in the best place. Amen? Welcome to Guys Night Out. We build men up so they can bless women and children in a world that beats men down. I don't know what you guys have been up against this week, but your week's about to get a lot better. Amen? Uh, My name's Pastor Mark. Whether you're live or joining us online, man, I freaking love you. I really do. I'm here because I care. I'm here because you matter. Your family matters. Your marriage matters. Your kids matter. Your job matters. Your ministry matters. And when God decided to change the world, he came as a man. And that man's name is Jesus Christ. And we follow him and we believe that the world will change as more men become like Jesus Christ. That's why we're here, amen? All right. Um, And I'm having a great week. My second grandson was born this week. So yeah, I'm I'm having, I'm good. It's a good week. I got three awesome sons, fantastic son-in-law and two grandsons that are already yoked. And I'm just telling you, man, it's only begun. So Uh, If you're new, we're in a series called Dominion. We're talking about God is our father. He's got all dominion. We wanna live under his authority, honoring his dominion, and then exercising the dominion that he delegates to us, whether it's a work or home or ministry or family, wherever the case may be. And uh, let me just see if I can get an amen for tonight's uh, sermon title. Your wife is not here. You're in church, thou shalt not lie. Uh, Here it is. Your wife is your toughest challenge. (laughs) Can I get an amen? I mean, she can't see you. It's dark and she's not here. If you're a single guy, just say that as a prophetic word for your future. I'm just telling you where it's gone. And so uh, here's what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk a little bit about marriage. And what's interesting is on social media, one thing that's really trending across a lot of the platforms are young, single, uh, naive, gullible, lied to feminist women who are talking about how wonderful their life is because they don't have a husband, they don't have children. So they're showing, oh, today I slept in, I went to the spa, I went to Belize. Um, They just talk about how nice their life is because they don't have the inconvenience of a husband and children. And these are young women who have been perpetually lied to 
And I'm just telling you, if they do a follow-up at 50, they're not gonna be happy. They're gonna be working late. They're gonna be lonely. They're gonna have seven cats and a couple of STDs. And I'm gonna say things that shouldn't be said. And then I'm gonna say them again. And then, and then at Christmas, they're gonna be all alone, very sad with their cats. And, and what they're not gonna post is, I'm winning. They're gonna be very, very sad. We live in a world that just lies to people about marriage. 40% of millennials don't even believe in marriage. Many young men are not marrying and many young women now are trying to deceive themselves with fake news and false advertising that the single way is the good way. And I'll just tell you this, I've been a pastor for a while and I've been at the deathbed of people. I've, I've had people regret how they treated their spouse, but I've never had anybody tell me that they regretted being married. I've had people regret that they didn't have more kids or get more time with their kids. I've never had anyone tell me that they regretted being a parent or a father. I've seen on their deathbed, grandfathers say, I wish I had more time with my grandkids. I've never had one say, I wish I had less grandkids. And, and I'm just telling you, at the end of life, it's far less about what you have than who you are and who is with you. And relationships are the thing that we take to heaven. Your GPA, your car, your real estate, your portfolio, your achievements, they don't go with you, but people do. And the relationships that we make in life are what make life worth living. So I wanna talk a little bit about um, marriage. And I just wanna speak to this foolish culture we live in. There's actually a scripture in Isaiah that'll be very offensive, but very helpful. And uh, it's Isaiah 3, uh, 12. Youths oppress my people. Women rule over them. And just so you know, this is all wrong. This is bad. This is a criticism. My people, your guides lead you astray and they turn you from the path. What the prophet Isaiah is saying is this. If you want to destroy a culture, let young women be the influencers to set the culture. Okay. And I know you're not supposed to say that. And now I used to be on the internet, but it's true. <laughs> if you want to have a ruined culture, let the youngest, least mature women have the highest influence. And that's the world that we live in. We live in a day that beats men down. It doesn't build them up. It teaches women to be independent, not in love, to just uh, live a life separated from God and from their father and from their husband. And the result is misery. And so what I wanna share with you as we get into this subject of marriage is uh, there is a gold standard for sociology and it is called the uh, General Social Survey. It's been around for 50 years. So how about we just look at the facts? Who's actually happy? How many of you would like to be happy and joyful? Okay. Me too, I'm voting for it. So here's, here's what we see. Um, married fathers are the happiest. These are the percentage of men reporting that they are very happy. Unmarried men with no children, 14% are happy. 12% uh, with children are unhappy. Because if you got a baby with the mama, it comes with a lot of drama, unless it's your wife. And just so you single guys know, get married before you get her pregnant. If you forget everything I say, write that down on your thigh. So that when you drop your drawers, you can remind yourself what I just told you. I want it in a Sharpie right here, okay? Um, and then she can see it as well. What's that? Oh, yeah. Um, Pastor Mark says hi. And then for, <laughs> married men with no children, 30% are happiest, but who are the happiest men? Married men with children. Okay, how many of you are married men with children? Okay, amen. So can we just thank those guys for being weirdos for Jesus? You guys just need to know you're weirdos. Uh, you're heterosexual. Uh, it was crazy. My two grandsons were born and they've already got a gender. I was so early. Um, and uh, you married a woman and uh, you had a kid. So guess what? You're a weirdo, but you're a happy weirdo. Because if you got to go to work, you may as well go to work for your wife and kids. And if you got to pour your life out, it should be for the woman you love and the kids that you have. And now let's look at uh, women as well. Uh, married mothers are the happiest. Uh, unmarried with no children, 22% say that they're happy. 17% of unmarried women with children because being a single mom, incredibly difficult. Married with no children, 25%. Married with children, what? 40%. 
So statistically, what we're looking at here is women 18 to 55. If you've, all you do is pull the 22 year olds who you know, got a women's studies degree from community college, uh, from some guy with a ponytail and no responsibility, they will tell you that they're enjoying their life. But the older you get, if you're alone, you're not as happy. And if you don't have kids, you're not as happy. How many of you guys right now, you just look forward to getting home. And even if your wife is giving you a bit of a rough time, at least your girl's there. Your kids come to greet you. You get to be dad, get to hang out with them, get to coach Little League, go on daddy dates with your daughter. And you know what? Life is really hard, but I'll just tell you this. Being a husband and father is really good. It's really, really good. Amen. So how many of you are the young guys? You mean like you're in your 20s, your teens, 20s, you're young guys. Can we welcome all the young guys? Um, I would just tell you, young guys, find an old guy with a beat up Bible and a smiling wife and just ask him what to do and shut up and do it. That would be my encouragement to you. Okay. And so uh, why is it that young men are not getting married? Why is it? And they're not wanting to have kids. Here's the simple reason. Is it hard to be married? No, it's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible. And, and if you're an honest man, you're like, this is going to be the most difficult thing I've ever done is being a husband to this woman. And uh, can I just, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. Um, so every time I teach on marriage, my wife and I, we fight for weeks. I, I can tell you after 30 years of teaching and 31 years of marriage, pretty much the feces and fan are gonna interface right as I head into a marriage talk, <laughs> right? And the last few weeks we have just been, Fight. Now, I, I have a great wife. She's adorable. She's smart. She loves Jesus. She has low expectations. You know, that's how I got here. I mean, it's a really good gig for me. She prays, she serves, she's kind, and she drives me sometimes Shiite Muslim crazy. Um, you know, she, right? And she... Every, so she's like, why? She's like, I've been doing this our whole relationship. Why are you not used to it? Because it's still crazy. I don't, I like, I love you. And a lot of you guys, let me, let me tell you single guys, because don't tell Grace I said this, but like, um, so a lot of you single guys are like, I can't get married. I can't be with one woman. Let me tell you, she's going to change. You're going to get some variety. That's just how this is going to work. Right? <laughs> as soon as you figure her out, pivot. Like, huh? What? Okay. Um, so I love my wife with all my heart, but there are, honestly, being a father is hard. Being a pastor is hard. Being a husband is really, really difficult. Okay. And let me just tell you two things that are going to happen for you single guys when you get married. She's going to drive you crazy and you're going to drive her crazy, which is why you're equally yoked. Okay, you're gonna drive each other nuts. How many of you, don't raise your hand um, or text your wife, but just honest in your heart, you're like, yeah, sometimes my wife drives me crazy, okay? That's why a lot of men don't get married because being married is the most difficult, sanctifying, sometimes frustrating, but revealing thing. Because here's what I found about my wife. She's a mirror and I keep seeing myself my character, my shortcomings, my temper, um, my selfishness are revealed. And, and here's why I would just encourage all of you men to aspire to be married. And if you are married, to continually aspire to be a better husband. Uh, number one, the Bible has a lot of good things to say about serving. It has nothing good to say about selfishness. Some reasons why guys don't get married, they're just selfish. They're like, if I got to take care of her and then we have kids, that's a lot of responsibility. And I'd rather, you know, be like Peter Pan, remain a boy for the rest of my life and not take on those sort of man-sized responsibilities. Also too, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than receive. So if you really want to be blessed, you got to be more about giving than taking. And, and when you become a husband and father, pretty much it's a lot of giving. It's a lot of giving. And as well, um, for you, let me just ask the single men. I mean, I'm just gonna verbal process. I don't have a lot of notes, but I feel like this could be interesting. So for you single guys, how many of you, uh, how many of you single guys, um, sex seems good? <laughs> None of you? Okay. <laughs> we're, we're in the real weird men group tonight. Um, okay, let me just ask the married guys. Uh, how many of you, you like sex? Okay, 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 wow. Wow, it's like everybody got Pentecostal. Like, hey, 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 hey. 
Okay. Um, here's, here's what I'll tell you, men, about sex. Even if you're not good at it, still pretty good. That's what I would tell you. Okay. And so, but according to the Bible, to have sex, you need to get married. And before you get married, you need to grow up and be a man and get a job and be responsible and, and be the kind of man that a woman can depend on and trust for the rest of her life. And so sex, all men, all young men, they want sex. And the Bible says, that's not a bad thing. That should direct all of your energy toward growing up being a man, leaving your mother and father, um, pursuing your wife, getting married, consummating your covenant and enjoying your relationship with your wife. Because if you do that, the odds are kids are gonna show up and you better be a responsible man because now you've got to take care of that woman and those children. We'll get into that in future talks. And what we've done in our day, we have told women, be independent, rack up your college debt, uh, don't look for any future relationship. Don't aspire to motherhood. Uh, for heaven's sake, you know, be pro-death and not pro-life. Get so buried in college and racking up so much debt and then climbing the corporate ladder and just celebrating on social media that you don't have any husband or children to worry about. And then you hit your 30s and your biological clock kicks in and all of a sudden you're having a panic attack. And, and I'm just telling you men, that if you take all of that God-given energy and that, that passion and you direct it toward the things of God, you're gonna have a great family and a great future and God's gonna pour out a lot of blessing on you. And the problem in our culture is we're just telling women, have sex with men. It's like, no, no, sex is for marriage and marriage is for men. And what we're doing is we're just handing men pornography rather than handing them covenant marriage. And so we're, we're the weird guys, we're the oddballs. We're the, we're the heterosexual guys who stay in our lane and we believe that worshiping God, getting married, loving your wife, making babies and carrying your load makes you a real man. That's exactly what we believe. Okay. And we're also the weird guys that believe in the Bible. And so let me just start where it all starts. And what the Bible gives us is the pattern and the prototype for a perfect relationship and marriage. Now, I'll talk about sin, but this is what it looked like. And your father, God, made you to be a husband and father. Genesis 2, the Lord God said, and our God speaks, it is not good that the man should be alone. This is before sin enters the world and, and there is no sin and curse. And God previously said that everything was good and very good. There's only one thing that's not good. It's not good for a man to be alone. Every once in a while, you get a guy that God calls to singleness. I'll just verbal process this for a minute. And every once in a while, there's a religious guy who's like, God gave me the gift of singleness. Two things. I'm not sure it's a gift. Um, <laughs> and two, all the other guys that got that gift, they got killed for doing high danger ministry. Elijah, uh, Paul, John the baptizer, um, Jesus. It had to be, you know, for Jesus, it's hard to get equally yoked. You know, every, his wife's like, I just don't feel like I measure up. You don't, you know, so... Um, <laughs> But all the guy in Jeremiah, all the guys that had really a, a single call in their life, it's because they were gonna die in the battle. And if you're, if you're a guy, you're like, I just feel called to singleness. You, you just may be a lazy guy who's got a fear of launching and taking on responsibility. It's not good to be alone. How many of you men, let's just be honest, who are married, you wouldn't be half the man you are if you weren't married to the woman you are, okay? And let me say this, your wife is not easy, but she is helpful. Okay, there are things about me that I have to change and work on and grow that I wouldn't unless grace was there. But she forces me to change in ways that my selfishness doesn't want to. It's not good for a man to be alone. And I will say this too, uh, a, a guy who's in his late 20s, early to mid 30s, still doesn't have a woman, still doesn't have children on the horizon. He is a very selfish and self-indulgent human being. And he is just going to vote for socialists to take care of him from womb to tomb rather than being a grown man who carries his own responsibilities for his family. So it's not good for a man to be alone. God said, I'll make a helper fit for him. And the concept of helper there is the Holy Spirit is also our helper. And the woman comes along to help the man like the Holy Spirit comes to help the man. Now the Lord God had formed every beast and every bird and brought them to see uh, what the man would call them, but for Adam, there was not a helper fit for him. So it's kind of a funny picture. God tells Adam, it's not good to be alone. I'm gonna give you a, a mate. 
He's like, okay, but first you got to name a lot of the animals. And this is him exercising dominion. When you name someone or something, you're exercising dominion. It's just, again, just a verbal process rant. When you men give a name or a nickname to your wife or your kids, you're exercising dominion. Okay. Some of you, I, just, I could see this. Um, some of you, your dad just really spoke curses over you. He named you and it was evil. Idiot, fool, failure, disappointment, right? God is a father. He speaks life over us and he speaks blessing over his son, Adam. And then he gives Adam dominion to give names to all the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. You and I wanna be men who speak life and blessing. And if we're gonna name or nickname our wives and our kids, it needs to be blessing and not cursing. So he's told, hey, it's not good to be alone. You're gonna get a mate, big day. You're gonna meet your mate. And here comes a parade of animals. And Adam's like, oh, it's an aardvark. It's not her, right, father? That's not her? Okay, good. Okay, well, here, right, here comes the cheetah. Oh, this, uh, I don't know how we could make this work. That's not her, okay, cheetah. And eventually what happens is, you'll read it in a moment, God makes a woman, okay? And God brings the woman. Let me just say this. After looking at the zoo, she's looking good. She's looking really, really good. Like if you've lived on a farm, how many of you are farm guys, right? You're like, yeah, it was a bunch of animals and my wife. She was purdy, you know? Uh, uh, so God was on to say, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and the rib that God had taken from the man, he made into the woman. So the woman comes from the side, we'll revisit this. And he brought her to the man. Then the man said, and this is poetry. This is before sin enters the world. These are the first recorded words of any man in human history. And he's going to sing a poetic love song to his girl. How many of you are the singer, songwriters, poetic, creative, arty types, right? You guys have always got the advantage. You just do. Because I mean, if a guy's got a job and another guy's got a guitar, it's an even fight. It's just a sad situation. So he sings to her, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman. He names her, okay? I want you to think about naming your wife. We give names and nicknames to the people we love the most and we hate the most, right? I remember growing up, um, I knew a guy, he was an older guy, and he would always refer to his wife as the ball and chain. I'm sure they had a great intimate relationship, just affection at the deepest level. Uh, let me just ask this, I shouldn't, but uh, what are some of the other negative nicknames that you've heard guys refer to their wife? What's that, old hag? Wow. <laughs> old hag, well, we'll just stop right there. That's a great example, thank you for sharing. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I'm sure she put that on her social media profile, you know? old hag. And so, but what we do as men is we speak life or death, blessing or cursing by the names and nicknames we give to people starting with our wife. I've always called my wife beauty. That's what I've always called her. And she's always called me Pastor Mark. And so, <laughs> so <laughs> the key is timing with all of this. Um, therefore, and here, here what he does uh, Moses breaks from the story to give commentary. And this is a verse that Jesus quotes and Paul quote, this is the pattern prototype for marriage. And it has to be for us because it's gonna talk about leaving father and mother and Adam and Eve didn't have a mother and father. Therefore, a man shall leave, okay? So you young men, you gotta get independent, take care of yourself, his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, that is to vigorously pursue with enthusiasm. The two then will become one flesh. So grown man marries a woman, sleeps with her, and they were both naked, uh, the Texas international version, they're both naked and not ashamed, okay? Um, and let me, let me just say this. Every guy is hoping to get back to that place. Every guy, because here's where we're at. The environment is perfect. The woman is perfect. And the woman is naked. You're like, these are a few of my favorite things. <laughs> but what's gonna happen is he's in a perfect environment with a perfect woman and everything goes south because there's bad leadership. Everybody needs some good news. Our world is filled with nothing but bad news. The good news is 
The Bible tells us not just what happened, but what always happens. And we don't just need to look at the Bible, we can look through it and make perfect and total sense of this weird, woke world in which we live. I've been preaching God's Word for about 30 years, and I wanna let you know that real faith is independent, free, and a voice that is prophetic in a world that is pathetic. And I wanna thank you for your partnership. We are 100% supported by ministry partners like you. You can't cancel us, we don't have advertisers, we don't have publishers. You can go pound sand because people like you pay the bills. Go to realfaith.com slash donate, give your best gift and help me keep up the good fight. And the point is this, even if God gave you everything, if you don't lead it, you'll lose all of it. And so then one more uh, thing we'll visit, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion, okay? Many of you guys are new, so I'm repeating some things that the other men know. Most of you guys online are new, so I'm repeating some things that men know. God made us crazy, I know this crazy, male and female. Like, how do you know? You just do, okay? <laughs> male and female. And together they have what? Dominion. Here's what I wanna talk about, and this will be our big idea. The man doesn't have dominion over the woman. He has dominion over the animals. The woman doesn't have dominion over the man. She has dominion over the animals. The man and the woman do have dominion over the children, but they don't have dominion over each other. They have dominion together. This is the hardest thing you'll ever learn. This is the hardest thing you'll ever learn. And I know that's a big statement because in every marriage, there is this battle. And that is, is she gonna be in dominion over him or is he going to be in dominion over her? And it is a constant battle. We actually call it the battle of the sexes. So a couple of things in summary, and then we'll move into the problem. This is the beginning. Number one, men were made to mirror, they were made to marry, and they were made to multiply. A lot of guys are like, I don't know what my purpose is. God already told you. You're his image and likeness. An image is to represent, to reflect that which is in front of it. So when you look in the mirror, it, its job is to image or mirror your likeness. You are a son, God is our heavenly father, and our lives are supposed to image or mirror or reflect him. This is why we need to get to know who our father is. He's loving, so I'm gonna love. He's generous, so I'm gonna be generous. He does relationships, so I do relationship. He forgives me, so I forgive people. Our job is to get to know our father and then be like father, like son. That's our job. So men are made to mirror and men are made to marry. And what we're looking at now is an entire generation of young men who are failing to launch, not in the workforce. And as I told you, the way the Bible is architected, God made men with strong, passionate sexual desires and interests, which is a motivation. To motivate them to become men, to motivate them to marry a woman so that then they can enjoy that relationship with the woman. That's what marriage is. Now, it's not just the sexual, it's the emotional and the spiritual and all of that. But at the end of the day, the Christian man and the non-Christian man pursue the same goal in completely different ways. And the Christian man is, how do I take on responsibility to bless? And the non-Christian man is, how do I lessen my responsibility and how do I cause damage to women and children? And then we're, men were made, and so it says here that they're to be one. This is the big concept I want you to know. The, the, the man is made first because he's the head and leader. And then the woman is made next. She's made from the side of the man. This is really important. Um, feminism would teach that the woman should be out front. She should be in dominion. You should follow your wife. You should do what she says. Uh, chauvinism would say the opposite. No, you, you should be out front and you should be domineering and dominating and you should boss your wife around and she should just you know, do what she's told. God's like, no, she comes from the side, so they're equal. And when they consummate their covenant, they're not two, they're one. And the question is not which one, but they're a new one. You can't just be like, here's how I am. You need to, you need to conform to me. She's like, well, there's two people here and the two are becoming one. And now we gotta figure out who we are together. And it's not which one, it's the new one. 
And I'm just telling you guys, you will spend your whole life figuring this out. It is one of the great conundrums and mysteries of life. I love Grace with all my heart. I, I met her March 12th, 1988. She's the greatest person I've ever met. I adore her. I always tell my sons, there's two kinds of girls. There's girls you can live with, and then there's a girl you can't live without. That's your wife. And, and I, I told my daughters, you don't marry some guy who can live with you. you. You marry the one guy that can't live without you. Grace is the girl I can't live without. We've been together a long time. We're still figuring out how to be one. Okay, an honest older man just chuckled. Can I get an amen from the guys that have been married for a while? Amen, it's, 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 it's a lifelong work. And then you multiply and that's where you have kids. And so God's first governance is singular headship, plural leadership. Some of you've heard me say this. Who's the head of the family? Well, God and then the husband, and he co-rules with the wife. They're plural leaders. So it's not that dad is domineering over mom. Mom and dad rule together. They have dominion together. The children are to honor and obey their mother and father. But at the end of the day, he's firstly responsible. That's what it means to be the head. Governance begins with the family. And let me tell you this, um, nations and cultures and economies are built on the family. And the family is built on the marriage. And the marriage rises or falls with the leadership ability of the man. And so if you can get the men to either not marry or not lead, then what you can do is control and break an entire culture. This is exactly what's happening in the Western world. And like we always like to say here, we want more fathers and less government, okay? Now, so that's God's pattern for marriage, but now here's where hell comes home. Genesis three, here's the problem and I'll hit it briefly. The serpent, Satan shows up. If you don't believe that Satan wants your marriage, you don't believe the storyline of the Bible. Satan didn't, so let me ask you this. Could Satan have shown up when Adam was still single? He could have, but he didn't. Satan doesn't even show up until Adam is married. And I always like to say, after the wedding comes the war. I hear single guys all the time like, man, I'm, I'm really in a spiritual battle. I can't wait till I get married and the battle's over. That's first and second nonsense, sir. I mean, you are, right now you're in a Nerf gun fight and there's real guns coming. I'm just telling you, that's what you're dealing with. Okay, how many of you, your, 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 your spiritual warfare, your demonic attack didn't even really ramp up until you got married? Satan hates love, he hates covenant, he hates marriage. And so he attacks those things with vigor. He said to the woman, now who should he have talked to first? The man. But instead, he's going to subvert the leadership structure of his singular headship and their plural leadership. He says, you will not surely die. God's lying to you. For God knows when you eat of it, you'll be open, you'll be like God. And what's really sad is they're already like God. They were made in God's likeness. See, oftentimes as human beings, it's like, what do I need to do? You need to believe who God says you are because your identity isn't achieved, it's received. It's like I look at my sons and I call them son and they live from that. It goes on, she took uh, of the fruit and ate and she gave some, some of you know this, to her husband who was where? Right there, he was right there. This is where you men need to know if you don't lead your family, Satan will. And some of you guys right now, you're like, like my wife's a big personality. She's, you know, she's, she's a little intimidating and she's very competent and, you know, I don't want to get in trouble. So I just kind of stay out of the way. Then you're saying, Satan, I'm going to be passive and I invite you to be active. And, and the question is not, this will be offensive if I've not been kicked off the internet yet, this should do it. Um, the question is not, will the man or the woman lead? The question is, will man or the devil lead? Those are the options. And if the man won't lead, the devil will. That's what happens. And he was there with her. What did he say and do? Nothing. All you gotta do is be passive and then Satan runs your family. That's why men need to be active. Then the eyes of both of them were open. They realized they were naked. Previously it was naked without shame. Now there's a lot of shame. They sewed fig leaves together, made themselves loincloths. And the man and the wife hid himself from the presence of God. And the Lord God called to the man. Now who sinned first? The woman. But who did God call to first? The man. Singular headship, plural leadership. 
You and your wife might both sin, but your sin is your responsibility and so is your marriage and family. God is going to deal with her for her sin, but he deals with the man because he is firstly responsible. That's what it means to be the head. To be the head does not mean you're the domineering, overbearing, chauvinistic man. It means that you love your wife like Christ loved the church. You're active and leading and speaking. And when things go wrong, you take responsibility whether or not it's your fault. And if it is your fault, you certainly take responsibility. Um, and so the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? The woman, he said, in pain, uh, you shall bring forth children. Okay, let me ask you this. Is this still true? Is childbirth still painful? Oh yeah, how many of you guys are really glad you don't birth babies, amen? I mean, I mean, you, some of you guys, I'll just tell you this, uh, new mothers and, and veterans at the VFW, they're having the exact same conversation. Like, oh my gosh, I thought I was gonna die. I was bleeding out, I saw stars. Old guys who've been shot in Nam and young moms, they've been through the same thing. It's unbelievable. Now here's the line, to the, to, you're, he says to the woman, your desire shall be what? Do you see where marriage is your biggest challenge? Because the two are supposed to be one and their desires are going to be contrary. It's like getting two magnets and you try to push them together and they always push apart. How many of you, this explains your marriage, okay? And he shall rule over you. And Adam, he said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife. He should have listened to God. His wife said something God didn't say. And rather than listening to his God, he listened to his wife. Cursed is the ground because of you and in pain you shall lead of it all the days of your life. That means that the creation is cursed, which means your job just got, our jobs, all of our jobs just got a lot harder. So a couple of things. Here's what he says. Um, the man will expend all of his energy to have dominion where? At work. And it's all thorns and thistles. And as soon as he gets his to-do list done, something blows up. And as soon as he cleans out his, in, his inbox, something breaks. And as soon as he gets everything done, it comes undone. True or false, work is just cursed. So men exercise all of our dominion at work so that we can feed our wives and our kids. And let me just tell you this. Nations are built, cultures are built, and economies are built by men with women and children depending on them. So a man feels that weight of responsibility, but now his dominion is at work. Her dominion is at, it's at home. He's gone, she's there. Singular headship, plural leadership, she's the leader. So she's you know, teaching the kids, leading the kids, disciplining the kids, feeding the kids, raising the kids. So she is really struggling with her dominion. The childbearing is now with a lot of pain. He's struggling with his dominion at work and then he comes home from work and guess what happens? They have a battle over who's gonna be in dominion. His dad's like, I'm used to being in dominion all day. She's like, me too. They come together. This is where there's conflict in the home. This is why some guys intentionally get jobs where they travel. They don't wanna come home and have the battle. This is why some guys work long hours or pick up a lot of hobbies. They just don't wanna come home and have the battle. And there are two ways to have this conflict over dominion. There are overt ways and covert ways. Some of you are overt, your wife is covert. Some of you are covert, your wife is overt. Okay, I'll give you some examples. Here are, when it comes to dominion, am I making sense? It's quiet. Um, when you come home, is it, is it like, honey, I'm in charge. And she's like, no, I am. It's my home, I make the rules, these are my kids, I'm in charge all day, you need to, you know, you need to find your place and, and let me rule the roost. No, 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 I'm head of household. Does this ever happen? Yeah, we call it Tuesday, okay? It happens all the time. The overt is volume. Somebody starts yelling, that's dominion. Threat of divorce, hey, you do what I want or I'll divorce you. Right? That's, that's dominion, that's a battle over who's in charge. If you take it to social media, speaking ill about your spouse, that's overt. If you gossip in front of the kids, your dad is a this or that, mom's crying, what's wrong? Your dad's a jackalope. Now all of a sudden we've got a hostage situation and the kids are in the middle of the firefight. Or you invite your family in. How many of you have found that inviting your family in doesn't help? Okay. 
And, these, and so what happens is when this happens, the exercising of dominion leads to one or the other trying to be domineering. You can't be one if you're domineering. It's one over one, it's not one. The covert ways, just not coming home. When are you coming home? When I feel like it. When you come home, like, where are you going? I'm going to my man cave. I'm going into the garage. You, you, you wanna be the queen of the castle? That's fine. I'm not coming in the castle. Covert ways as well include uh, manipulation of sex. Sometimes the wife is like, I wanna be queen of the castle. And if you wanna have fun with the queen, you need to let me be queen of the castle. Sex gets manipulated. Money gets manipulated. Well, I make all the money. You don't make any money. You can't be the boss because I'm the breadwinner. Dominion. It's, it, somebody turn the AC on? Got very chilly in here. I'm like, ooh, a little breeze. Okay, okay. And the guy's thinking, hey, I'm taking care of you financially. You need to take care of me sexually. She's like, no, no, no. If I give you everything you want, then you're gonna be ruling over me and I'm gonna use sex because it's one way that I can rule over you. And sometimes as well, the covert is just high drama and emotion. Now, every once in a while, the guy is high drama, lots of emotion. Oftentimes, it's the woman. She's crying, she's emotional, she's hurt. And, and maybe the guy needs to repent and say, honey, I'm sorry. Other times it's like, she knows if we have an argument, she doesn't have a good case. So if she cries, she wins. Cause when a woman cries, it's like Superman with kryptonite. You're like, I don't know what to do with it. It just, and, and so it's, it could become emotional manipulation. I mean, not your wife. I'm just saying for these guys that are friends of yours that you're trying to help them with their marital problems, these are things that might be helpful to them. So let me ask the difficult question, um, and I'm running out of time. Um, how many of you grew up in a home where either the mother or the father was domineering over the other? How many of you grew up in a home where either mom or dad was domineering? Okay. How many of you, that was a negative experience? Okay. Dominion is not domineering. Dominion is, he said, God said, I made them male and female and gave them together as a married couple, what? Dominion together. Not him in dominion over her, not her in dominion over him. And when guys read stuff in the Bible, like the man is the head, they immediately go to, I'm the boss. No, 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 no that's not what it means. It means that you're one and that you're firstly responsible for the marriage and family, she's also responsible. That you're supposed to treat her like Jesus treats the church. But as men, what we like to do sometimes, we like to go to work and exercise dominion and we wanna come home and we wanna exercise dominion, but that's our wife, not our employee. I'll tell you, I shouldn't tell you, I've said it before. One of the stupidest things I've ever said to my wife, and there are, there are a number of candidates. Um, <laughs> We were arguing one day and I said, uh, I said, if you were my employee, I would have fired you a long time ago. Yeah. I'll tell you, uh, I mean, I don't like sleeping on the couch, and, uh, but I did. <laughs> and as soon as I said it, I was like, ah, I should punch myself in the face. That's exactly what I should do. But what I was telling her was, we don't agree and I'm trying to rule over you and you won't let me, so I'm very frustrated with you. But my job is not to rule over my wife, it's to rule with my wife. So we gotta, we gotta figure it out. We gotta talk it out, we gotta pray it out. We gotta come to agreement so that we can rule together. You'll have a terrible marriage if one of two things happens. If the wife has dominion over the husband or the husband has dominion over the wife. But if you're side by side, one, exercising dominion and rule together, that's a godly marriage. I'll close with this last scripture. 1 Peter 3, 7, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. You're physically stronger, you're louder, you're tougher, and you could be domineering and overbearing. Um, but you can't have a loving, warm, intimate relationship if you're a domineering, overbearing man. You can't. Because the number one issue, Grace has told me this many times, um, the number one thing that a woman wants, safety and security. 
And if you're domineering, overbearing, physically stronger, louder, if you're not using your strength to protect her, but to expose her, she can't be intimate with you because she doesn't feel safe with you and she doesn't feel secure with you. As a man, this isn't in my notes. I'm just, I don't know, when I get up to talk, I just, I feel like the Holy Spirit just gives me some stuff that maybe will help you guys. As men, we don't tend to walk around feeling unsafe, right? Like, I mean, this is a room of, I don't know, there's a lot of guys here, but most guys walk in, they're like, I'm good. You know, I can handle myself. And if not, I'll go low, you know? I mean, uh, <laughs> and, but women often feel unsafe. How many of you have raised daughters and you're the protector, defender, because you're like, that's my little girl and she can't protect herself. See, sometimes when we're little boys, we, we don't feel necessarily safe. But then when we reach a certain size, testosterone flows, we get a few hair on our chin. We're like, okay, you know what? I'm not scared anymore. I can handle myself. A woman never escapes how she felt as a little girl, vulnerable. And so what, what Peter is saying is, he's like, your wife is the weaker vessel. You could easily be domineering of her, overbearing. Don't, don't. Because her weakness is not something for you to expose. It's something for you to protect, okay? Because I'll be honest, like Grace is a girl. She smells like a girl. She looks like a girl. And I prefer that. <laughs> I'm not looking for a super tough chick who can take me. <laughs> I'm not. I'd sleep with a helmet and a cup on. And, you know, I mean, just be like... That's not where I want to live. Here's the rest of the line. Uh, Husbands, live your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. You know what your wife is? She's a co-ruler and she's a co-heir. Uh, so that your prayers not, may not be hindered. And so um, I, I always say this, before she's your wife, she's his daughter. Um, I'm gonna skip my notes. We'll leave it right here. How many of you guys, I, now I could say this, I've got, uh, my, my, my oldest daughter's married. Uh, I love my son-in-law. He's a really good man. And uh, he's a dad now holding this baby boy. And he, um, he's really good to my daughter. My daughter is very protected, very loved, very happy. And I'll just tell you as a dad, you're like, my daughter's loved and happy and blessed and safe. And thank you, Jesus. Now, it, how would you men feel if you married off your daughter and that man was domineering, overbearing, boorish, she didn't feel safe and she didn't feel secure and she lived under constant anxiety and she was trying to fight back and rule over him because he was ruling over her and it just escalated his anxiety and frustration and anger, but she didn't want to be dominated. So she tried to be dominating and then she becomes very manipulating, but then he becomes more intimidating. How many of you, if that was your daughter? Like, oh gosh, no. Here's my question. How are you treating his daughter? How are you treating his daughter? And what it says here is, if you're domineering and overbearing toward his daughter, you're not ruling with her. You're trying to rule over her. You're not exercising dominion with her. You're trying to exercise dominion over her. Here's what he says. If you ask him for help, he says, no. I don't answer those prayers. Until you treat my daughter different, you're on your own. I'm, I'm not going to help the man who's hurting my daughter, okay? And uh, I'll just leave it there. And um, can I be really honest with you? I was a total jerk to my wife on su Sunday night. Um, and I would say I was tired and I had a long day and I have a lot of responsibility all of which is a very true excuse. And my wife kind of, she, I got frustrated with her. And um, we didn't have one of those, uh, you know, we need to be on the television show cops and get restraining orders kind of situation. Um, just one of those like, I'm frustrated and this keeps happening. And she's like, I feel like you're discouraging and judging and, she felt hurt and I felt frustrated. And, uh, and I, 
And then she asked, um, I, I, I didn't intend to share this, but we're doing real men, not religious men. So, um, so we, we were talking and I was frustrated and she was hurt and she's like, so what are you teaching this week at men's? I was like, <laughs> so, you know, so, um, chief of sinners, first of hypocrites, guy in the process. Amen. Okay. And so that, that's where we're at. Um, And just lastly, I mean, of course it was her fault. So, you know, there's that. So no, it was my fault because I'm the head of household. So how our marriage is doing is my first responsibility. Father, thanks for a chance to verbal process to the guys. I pray for the single guys, God, that they would aspire to marriage and that they would marry in the Lord and that they would live under the scriptures and that they would live in obedience to their heavenly father and love his daughter. And God, some of the guys here, their wife is domineering over them. And other guys, they're domineering over their wife. And for some of us, God, we have moments where we feel like we're one and we're side by side and we're two oars rowing in the same boat. And sometimes it just feels like we keep hitting each other with the oars. And so Lord, by, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, help us as men not to be passive and ruled over and not to be domineering and ruling over our wife. God, this is the toughest relationship, how to love and how to serve and how to bless and how to be one with someone who's totally different than us. But God, I ask for grace in my home. I ask for grace on my grace. God, I ask that my, hus- my, my sons rather would be better husbands than me. I ask that my grandsons would be better sons than me. And God, I pray for all of these men that we would just be willing to learn this lesson, not to just be dominated or dominating, but to be lovingly united as one, ruling and reigning together under the authority of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Well, hey, podcast pals, it's uh, Pastor Mark Driscoll here saying thank you for tuning in. I've had the honor of teaching the Bible for around 30 years. Happy to report I got my cancel card about a decade ago. Nice to get that out of the way. And now I'm back in uh, zombie mode, man. You can't kill me. And if you would do me a solid, I could really use your help. Number one, rate this podcast. Everybody gives me one in five star reviews. I need you to give me a five star. In addition, uh, review the podcast. Tell them it's good, it's helpful, it's fun, it's authentic, it's genuine, it's down the fairway, it's all about Jesus. And uh, share it, Uh, let your friends know, let your family know. And if you wanna trigger your enemies, let them know too. I've been triggering woke joke folks since the mid 90s and glad to keep up the fight.